Hey gang, Wonder Rob here, and Shop's here too. This podcast is part of the Geek So To Speak network. Visit GeekSoToSpeak.com for our full podcast lineup. Aww, yeah! It's time for another episode of We Love Comics, the show where we love comics, and you should too. On today's episode, we're going to be doing a very special giant-sized topic all about which company drew you into comics first but before we get into that let me introduce our distinguished panel first off from the great state of tennessee we've got the one and only memphis's own marcus seabury seabury how you doing i'm good baby you know uh young bug likes to call it tennessee oh wow yeah but he's from nashville and from the crooked letter crooked letter mississippi yep we've got hunter camp dan Housen camp yep also hey hey babu free (laughs) you see him you see him (laughs) yes how's hunter camp doing he's tired because he does lots of things all the time and he's been playing elden ring nonstop. He's almost long. an Elden Lord, I heard. He's not an almost, almost an Elden Lord. <laughs> he's on his way, but he's not anywhere near being Elden, Elden Lord yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I he's can't got wait a lot of work to do. Until Hunter Camp comes on this podcast and tells us that he is an Elden Lord and what that even means. But we'll find out someday, Seabury. Someday. I don't, I, I don't know that we will. But not today. Today, <laughs> no, not today. we're going to be talking all about... Now, Seabury, this is your giant sized topic this comes from the mind of a seabury so yeah, yeah. tell us all about it seabury what is the topic for this week well now before we do that though oh we got oh we got something special on our yeah, camp yeah, you know i gotta hit this new figure alert all right Woo! first of all i got this sasha banks it's a lucid but it's in pretty good condition i'm like i'm gonna get it Found it at a uh, game exchange. I was nice. like, I was nice. like, eh, you know, I'm normally more of a, you know, in the in the package guy. But I was like, I'll make an exception. You t- you take Sasha Banks anyway you can get her, honestly. <laughs> yeah, these days. out there plentiful in the wild. And then I also got a mean Mark Kelly. This hey. is the Undertaker's identity when he was in WCW before he signed with WWE. Nice. Yeah. WWE kind of went old, old, old school on it. So I was like, yeah, let me go and get that. That's a nice and, pickup, Seabury. Yeah, and, and and also as a as a side thing, I'm I'm a little bummed, man. What happened? Be- BTS is taking a hiatus. I know. I was like, no. I know. No more boy with love. <laughs> the good news I, is, uh, I gotta, I gotta find a new K-pop group now. Well, well, the good news is, is that um, first and foremost, the members are doing their own thing for a little bit, so there's no saying that they won't come back eventually. Right, but. Every in sync needs a Timberlake. Man, if we ain't talking about no RM solo album, I don't want to hear it. 
Dang. That's what I'm saying. I need I need RM to go and drop this solo dolo. <laughs> but I want. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking a little bit, but like I was a little messed up. Like I'm, I'm like, no. BTS are going on hiatus. I mean, I'm actually like I love Blackpink, so K-pop is fantastic. I will say, okay, I might have to get the Blackpink to fill my BTS void. <laughs> well, they're, they're, you're not going to hear the guys sing, so it's because it is a it's an all female group, but they're great. You'll still get your K-pop. Hey man, um, I'm open, but uh, I guess to get us back on track, my K-pop detour notwithstanding. <laughs> I just began thinking, you know, we did origin stories, but I guess it's kind of like a spinoff of origin stories. Like, what was, you know, the publisher that kind of drew you in the comics at first? And, like, you know, why? And also, has it, has it changed over, over the years? So, yeah. do, you mind if, do you mind if I answer that first? Yeah, go first, Hunter Camp. Hey, okay. So... I think, like, if you tie my origin story, like, from last week, or from two weeks ago, um, it was Batman, and so, like, for me, it's always Batman. There will never be something that's going to replace that. Now, that's by default DC, um, but it's, like, when you go into, like, the Justice League, you learn more, right? I think it's it's natural to start to fill out within DC. But at the same time, and I think this is kind of where it's interesting, like each time that I got into comics that, you know, like, cause I think I said like there was four different eras. Um, I went to different publishers each time. So when it was, when I was young, like I started buying X-Men comics. And so that pulled me into like the Marvel's miniseries and then to get the, like the Captain America. Cause I think there was like a Captain America show in the eighties too. Is that right? Or there was like a movie. Anybody remember there was that one? The TV movie. Yes. So I remember seeing the TV movie and like actually loving it. So like that was where it was like toys and that. So really, when I was a teenager, it was Marvel. And then when I got uh, back into like comics, like around the time I was just buying trades, it was DC. And then when I got back in proper with like events and everything it was dc but i think it was more because like of grant morrison um and his work that i really started to just dig in more uh and then that took me back to marvel also with the new x-men right so then i went and read like all the other like x-men stuff that came after that and so it's really it's it's kind of an interesting thing and then i just hopped over to indie stuff and now when I, that i'm getting back into it and i'm still in kind of a trade space i feel like i'm not in a specific place at all like i'm just kind of like picking and choosing so like now um like i'm reading more manga uh, i started berserk um i've touched base on like sort of like the indie versions of, of dc books so like the mr miracle book uh other stuff from marvel so like marvel and more more long lines of marvel events or like big comics like the loki book and all that stuff um, so it's it's really strange and I really want to hear what you guys have to say too and that's why I wanted to talk first was just to give you kind of like an overview because I'm kind of touching on everything and I'm kind of going into different places so mine has not been I've not had a consistent favorite publisher I think when um, I think I know more about DC just because I spent a lot of time 
when I got back in proper and did like the Grant Morrison thing and then jumped into Green Lantern there were all the events that were going on and I went back into the history of DC and then just dug 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 and I think that also with DC it's a little bit I don't want to say simpler um because there's and we're going to talk about the characterizations I'm sure um but that's not necessarily something like something that draws me in so like I don't really necessarily need a relatable character to read I don't know if it was um well I'll say for a time Mm-hmm. I feel like the Marvel characters were a little more complex. Yeah, yeah, but then they're relatable, right? So, like, like in general, that's like Marvel's characters are the more complex, uh, the more relatable. It's something that feels like a human being, as opposed to like this like thing. Archetypes. And DC, yeah, yeah, like the archetypes of heroes, which is funny because like DC also went. I think when I started to fall out of love with DC, um, it was when they decided, well, no, we need to be like, everybody needs to be super flawed and it's got to be real dark. And it's like, I don't mind real dark stuff. And I think of like, I can evidence that by looking around the room um, or just talking about like the things I've talked about. But like some things don't need to be that. And I think that you need to offer something different. So to go in and kind of, not even go the marvel route but just go like the ultra way right like to go way too far on the deep end of like these characters are flawed um that feels like what they did so ultimately what i'm saying is i think that with dc it was a little bit simpler to to get uh and to understand and to go deeper in because like they had very clear um clearly defined reset spaces for the whole line of comics uh if you were going to do that uh, so like with the different crisis books and everything um, where it's like, okay, well, we're changing everything and everything's going to like come from this point. Right. Uh, so with uh, final crisis all the way to uh, crisis on infinite earth, all of that, uh, they give you a space to learn more about like the big events that have happened. Whereas when I looked for Marvel, it was like, here's this one really big X-Men book. Here's another really big X-Men book. Here's some like ancillary, um, like Captain America books. There's something that happens with Cap, but doesn't necessarily affect too much of what it goes on in other things. So you have to, I think, do more work to like catch yourself up with Marvel comics as opposed to DC. So I think that that was one of the draws to me for DC at that time. Well, yeah, I mean, I used to joke that DC never met a reboot they didn't like. True. <laughs> And Seabury, you were growing up a little bit before us. How was it in the 80s? With Again, I know all of us are going to talk about Marvel and DC pretty much as our first company, right? Well, yeah, but the first one was out of Marvel or DC because remember, I was getting random three packs. You know, there was some Marvel three packs. Like, you know, G.I. Joe Marvel 3-packs, other Marvel 3-packs, a DC 3-pack. And I had forgotten, but there was also some Whitman Comics 3-packs in my time. Uh, Whitman was a short-lived publisher. They had the rights to Flash Gordon. Like, they had a Flash. Because oh, wow. I got a 3-pack that had a Flash Gordon comic. And I think it also had, like, maybe Turok, Son of Stone. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, Doc Solar, Man of the Atom. 
Ah. Yeah, uh, I guess there was a point in the 80s where Whitman had the license to all those uh, properties. Also, I think Whitman, now it might have been Whitman that also had the license to uh, Magnus Robot Fight. So were they like the, the dynamite of the 80s? Or maybe the Valiant of the 80s? Because I remember when Valiant brought it out, I was like, hey, I used to oh, yeah. that Whitman comics. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Here they are. They're, but, but it's different. Um, so that was my beginnings. Then, like I said, the superpowers towards getting the Batman and the Outsiders subscription kind of made me hone in on DC because I would just be like, all right, this is my comic right now. I'm getting this. Batman. You wanted to ask you a question about that? Adventures of the Outsiders on a monthly basis. Uh, then my cousin Eugene kind of shamed me like, man, like, like, like silly juvenile, you're reading DC. Check out this Marvel. Adventures. <laughs> and it was like, like, do y'all have a character like Beyonder? I'm like, yeah, the anti-monitor. <laughs> And Crisis on Infinite Earth. Do you, did you find like that? Yeah, did you find that the suit like um, the Batman and the Outsiders like made you more interested in DC overall? Not really. Like that was just like the comic I got every month. Like I'm getting this Batman and the Outsiders because like. But I was just getting that, and like, like I was curious about. So, I definitely was curious about crisis. I think I've said on this show before. Like, you give me a house that had a Superman holding Supergirl, and she dead, and everybody around crying. I was like, oh, this is it. This is big, bad, bad. Like they killed Supergirl. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, but like you know, little dude, not really fully getting the allowance getting stuff i guess i was content but then once i like i said saw my friend eugene's comic collection it was marvel heavy he just kind of was like oh you poor dc fan <laughs> that kind of lit the spark about finding out more about marvel i guess that and you know the marvel cartoons hit different like super friends or superpowers like that was cool but like it took superpowers galactic guardians like their last incarnation to really be like oh okay so DC characters are flawed and there's an episode where Batman and Robin are chasing a scarecrow and they wound up in crime alley and like you see Batman tear up and run away and it's like oh okay so now we're dealing with their flaws but you know Marvel's always like that like you know and Peter Parker's voice to her, Uncle Ben is murdered. You know, um, you know, the X, well, I didn't really know all about the X-Men, but they just look cool. Like, when I see them, I like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And then, you know, I just got more into it. Um, I think, I think another random, well, no, this wasn't a random three-pack. It was Secret Wars 2, 1 through 3. That's pretty good. Like, I got that, I read that, and I was like, oh, and these are the X-Men, and these are these characters, and the Beyonder, and that was the guy behind that Secret Wars, because I got Secret Wars action figures as well. I had Kang, I had Wolverine, 
I had Captain America, then later on I had the black costume Spider-Man. So then that kind of was, you know, picking my interest. Then I think maybe like a year or less than a year after that, went to the I went to a Walgreens. I bought like I bought the gang war issue of uh, Amazing Spider-Man where Spider-Man thinks he's fighting Kingpin, but it's hello. Keep going. We're but it's here, Daredevil so. in a in a fetsy. There's some random issue of a Spider-Man where he fought some alien and like a classic X-Men because, you know, from Secret Wars to Appearance, I was like, X-Men, X-Men. I think they're cool. So when did you really like fall in, like kind of, like, do you feel like you fell in love with the X-Men at that time? Honestly, their appearance in Secret Wars 2 number one was our uh, meat cute, if you yeah. <laughs> part yeah. of the expression. And it just kind of grew from there, man. Because like, the next time, fast forward to March of 88, and I'm like, I'm going to get serious about comics. I'm going to get comics on a monthly basis. Yeah. I'm 11, you know, the allowance money coming in from, you know, the good, and, you know, money from the good grades. I think I would get like a dollar for every A. That That's nice. I would have made zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you just... Once you start reading and doing stuff well, it's just, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, you're smart. This is how good you can be. Right. So this is where you have to be or else. Cause you right. Know, it I was the 80s and parents are still threatening you. Of course. <laughs> um, so, like, I'm, I'm just so interested in this because it's like, I missed Secret Wars. I missed all that. Um, and I, I think when I tried to go back to it, it was like out of print. Um, so whenever I tried to to do the thing the proper way with Marvel, like I never did. So like I dug and tried to find as hard as I could, like what the best, you know, ways to get to know the X-Men better. So it's like, and I think that X-Men really just does a really like a great job somehow for teenagers to like really get people in. Cause that's what happened to me too, because it was the uh um it was the X-Men show that made me want to read the comics. And then I was able to go a little bit further and read more X Men. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cause like my first regular issue, I think I talked about before, X Men two thirty two. Longshot finds the Reaver's treasure trove, and they go around the world returning that to people. Uh, that's their first time really interacting with Gateway too in that issue. The Aboriginal mutant with the power of teleportation. Um. So yeah, like, like I was Marvel man. And I was like, I probably didn't buy another DC book until like '89. I think about the issue of Detective Comics with Norm Breakover doing the art. Yeah, and I bought a just. I may have bought that one too. Hmm. I may have gotten that one also. Okay, and I bought a Justice League. I think it was Justice League at this point, but it was one that started out as Justice League and then Justice League International. It was Guy Gardner and Ice's first date. And, like, they run into Black Hand, but Black Hand is such a joke and a goofball at this point. <laughs> like, it messes me up when they, like, make him a, like, real deal threat. Oh, yeah. You know, later on in DC Comics. Yeah, that that was the DC thing to do. Because I was like, it's Black Hand. He's, he's a goober. <laughs> and I think I got into like Batman year three a little bit. And um, what was the next one? 
Well, then I picked up because I had to stop. I would always have to stop buying books in the fall to make sure I had money to buy my Christmas present. So, like, then about December, so after I quit, after I saved up my money, it's like December 89. Batman picks up after A Lonely Place of Dying. A Lonely Place of Dying is where Tim Drake first appears as Robin. Uh-huh. He figures out Batman and Robin's secret identity. Comes to Dick Grayson like, look, man, Batman needs a Robin. He's like, yeah, but I'm Nightwing, you know. But <laughs> yeah. Titans. This is kind of what I do now. Sorry, kid. <laughs> Didn't you read Teen Titans? I said, so, so I saw a little bit of that kind of off and off. And then I think I was back on Marvel. Then I think, you know, like every once in a while, some Batman stuff, some Justice League stuff would get in. Of course, I had to buy the Death of Superman. You know, that was that was just epic. I, I think we need to talk about not necessarily the story of Death of Superman. And we don't have to do it on this episode. But the the cultural impact and what happened around the Death of Superman. Because, like, I first saw the Death of Superman in a Books a Million, which was, you know. In, in a what? Books a Million. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was my first, like, I was like, what in the world is that? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've been reading about it, but I mean, by this point, though, uh, in 92, when this happens, I'm, I'm 16, and I'm starting to get hip to the game. Like, like, like I know I'm like, they're not going to yeah. let men stay dead. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a bit of a cash cow for the company. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We should probably, I can't say this for his own episode, or maybe just an episode about like the speculator times. Mm, yes. Uh, but but yeah, so like you know, now I'm emphasizing the DC stuff for this specific, but like I'm still reading Marvel, still reading X Men, still reading Amazing Spider Man. I think the period where I collected the most DC comics was honestly probably right before New Fifty Two began yeah that was a good time though like the, the comics that were coming out at that time were really good my like man Gail simone secret six Frankie Dude, Miller's that, was some, that was some good stuff my yep. man like that was the morrison era batman that was uh yeah. Frankie Miller on batgirl um all, that. all that really good stuff yeah yeah but like then i don't like know mirror scott snyder's black mirror uh, I wasn't really messing with. I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew a little bit about that. That was good, uh, but like, man, New Fifty Two just lost man. Like, I bought all the issues of the short lived Static series. I was trying to buy Bad Girl. I jumped out Bad Girl too soon because I went back and I, bought and, and checked the trades out of the at the library. That did turn out to be good. Justice League left me cold because everybody was a jerk like, yeah that was it's like a bad. whole team full of guy gardeners that yeah work. and like what they did to aquaman and he was just like oh, I, I, i'm tough and it's like okay <laughs> like give me a break yeah yeah that was that was just crazy but like but with new 52 <laughs> they had such good they had um static they had uh i vampire which was fantastic yes uh the zombie comic which was fantastic Justice League Dark was fantastic. Like all those little guys that lasted like ten issues max was like those were all great. I 
I was getting random trades out of the library. People like Mr. Terrific and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. It just didn't really grab me. And like even right now, yeah, at this current time, yeah, the only DC stuff I'm getting on a monthly basis are. I'm gonna say some of them, like all of the first wave of milestone. Like you know, I got all the Icon and Rocket. I got all the Static. I got all of uh hardware but like this next little wave uh, well i'm gonna get i'm getting blood syndicate but i don't know if i'm gonna get to like all the other little second wave of milestone stuff but like blood syndicate right now what is it dark crisis yeah, I think that's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, the, the dark, crisis. dark crisis. Yeah, I don't want to touch that. Yeah, yeah, that's, I don't the, want to get that's the big event. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like looking at it. It's on the floor over here. <laughs> that's that's where probably you belongs. No offense, but I just that's where I would would put Dark Crisis also. Oh wow, floor. dude! <laughs> I don't care about it at all. There's nothing I care about about it. Mm. I mean, it's a little bit like you know they killed the Justice League. And- you know, I think there's gonna be a chance for Dick Grayson to get shine because I'm always about that. Because I'm like, if you want a Batman that's not an Aho, read Nightwing. <laughs> well, I don't think that's fair, but okay, sir. I don't in think that's the fair. comic, hear me out. <laughs> some, hear me out. some of the comics in the comics, mm-hmm. Batman's pretty much being up going around beating up on drug addicts and homeless people. Man. That, that, uh, that people say that way more than it actually happens. I just like to point out that is not that is not accurate. Okay, okay, yes. it's partially okay. accurate, but not all the way accurate. But uh, but beyond that, he's he's manipulative. He's just we all have manipulative nature, but and in, in, in hashtag in defense of Batman. Um, <laughs> here's the thing that's become a really great narrative for people to have over the past few years, and good job. Um, but at the same time, it just depends on who's writing it. And so, like, some I think if if a lot of if the writers have like a reverence for the character, I think most of the time they don't do it. But like, you've got guys that um, Jeff Johns, um, when he would write him in Justice League, or when he would write him in the Earth One comic, it's like that became the new like way to portray Batman. And it's like. Yeah, he can be manipulative, and some he's not perfect or any by any means. He's not like the nicest guy, uh, but overall, it's not as um, it's not as we kind of suggest it is. Okay, okay, I get it. But uh, also, like I'm glossing over stuff though, because there have been periods where I. Like a random dark horse comic will catch my eye, or um, oh, I remember what Tokyo is... Pop, like in the early two thousands, them Tokyo Pop mangas. The so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like food with a lot of them. Um, like I said, now it's probably like I don't know, like ninety percent Marvel in my like you know, monthly stuff five percent dc and probably like five percent just other random stuff because you know i really been trying um like uh honestly justin and the guys back we were on geek land they kind of pushed me to try more non-superhero stuff and yeah and, 
and I consider my transitional comic to be Scott Pilgrim. Because it's not superhero, but it does have fights and powers and abilities. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it has superhero leanings. Um, and I don't know, Oni will just come out with superhero ones where that'll, that'll grab me. Like they're wrestling manga, Super Pro K. Or I hate it. Yeah. I had three issues. I have the yeah, volume of it. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, they had another one about some people piloting a giant robot. I think it might have been in Georgia or something. I know what, what you're talking about. They also did, did they put out um the was it the I don't remember what the name of the book was, but it was like I think it was a Cullen Budden comic, but it was the like the Western. That was really Dang, good. It was something about familiar. the guy. Yeah, I think that was Oni. And they also put out some books I talked about last the week. Six guys. Sifu. The six guy. Uh, it's a cool little story, blend like kung fu stuff in 80s hip-hop and yeah. all kind of cool stuff so like you know i i i show some love to the indies and um image of has of like i was in you know into bitter root um you know other little random comics uh ultra ultra mega um now one thing i tend to do and this is me. Maybe it's a cost cut move. Um, I'm not always as inclined to go monthly on non superhero stuff because most non superhero stuff seems to be self contained. The funny thing about that, and you're right, the funny thing about that is like the non superhero stuff is the things that you like need to buy monthly so that they can put out like collected editions and stuff like that. That's the that's the irony behind that. But I understand well, completely. I'll say this. If it's that image, and I know this is not absolute, but I assume their chances of getting the collector are good. Like a lot of times I buy the first issue and see if I like it. Yeah. Especially in terms of, you know, shows like this. Like I buy the first issue and see if I like it. Like, oh, okay, this is good. I, I get it now. Like I said, I bought every single issue and special of Bitter Root that just spoke to me. You know, the black family in Harlem in the 20s fighting monsters. That just, you know, spoke to me in all the ways. And plus it was David Walker writing who I interviewed on uh, Black Nerd Power before. Cool. Yeah, um, but, you know, like I said, it's still mainly Marvel, but, you know, I'm, I'm open, I'm trying, like, I know Titan is gonna be doing uh, some some common rider comics. Like they've got the license to put some of those out, you know, in, in English. So, you know, I'm probably gonna fool with that, things like that. But uh yeah, like I said, it's it's been mainly Marvel, I guess, since like yeah. 86, 87, but 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 like you know, I just but I still appreciate and respect other companies. It's just, I don't know. I have a Marvel zombie <laughs> gene that just <laughs> is, is, is dominant. <laughs> yeah. Won't lay and dormant. I have a the similar DJ. story to both of you, almost like a blended of the two of you, where I talked about in the origin story. My dad got me into comics and superheroes. He read DC when he was a kid. So Superman, Batman, The Flash, those were his favorites. 
And so those are the ones he kind of put in front of me. And then around that time, the Tim Burton Batman was coming out. So there was that on the big screen. I was always watching the, the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movie growing up, all four of them. I was a huge fan. I wanted to be Christopher Reeve when I was growing up. So Superman. <laughs> Man, Superman. I think we all did. Like, in all honesty, I really think we all wanted to be Christopher freaking. Yeah, Reeve. he was a, the, per, the personification of that character. Like, he looked like Superman. And they just, the way that they did the special effects in that first film of him flying was fantastic. So I had that DC core when I first got into comics, but then I also, from as far back as I can remember, I was into Spider-Man. And so Spider-Man pulled me into Marvel from there. Everything I was reading was based off of Spider-Man. Like, Oh, Daredevil, that's Spider-Man's friend. I know him because he, he was in an issue of Spider-Man one time and Captain America. Oh, Spider-Man looks up to Captain America. So I, that's how I, so all of my knowledge or, you know, my worldview came through Spider-Man's worldview. And him being that relatable hero at the time as a kid, I didn't get that, but I just thought he was funny. That was the main thing for me was I thought Peter Parker was hilarious as a kid. So that's what drew me to Peter Parker and and Spider-Man. So we're talking early 90s. It was all Marvel stuff. And then in the middle 90s, I kind of got out of comics. When I came back, it was because of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie and ultimate spider-man from brian michael bendis those were things that kind of modernized modernized it for me and and got me interested again and actually got me going into comic book shops again so from there i started listening to podcasts and i was that's when i started to to dive into independence image and all these other books all these other companies Um, but i always had that strong marvel because I struggled reading Ultimate Spider-Man monthly, mainly because like there will be issues where there'd be no Spider-Man. I'd be like, what is what did you do with my guy? <laughs> huh? What did you do with my little web slinger? <laughs> I know, I'm like, but the book's called Spider-Man. It's just so <laughs> but then like man, Justin was like darn near four feeding me trays, like, just read it, Steven. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's good. Okay. Bendis knows what he's doing. Bendis clearly has long-term plans. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm seeing the web. If you'll pardon the pun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what's weird is that, like, as somebody who's not like a big Marvel guy, like myself, um, I I could pretty much pick up any Spider-Man or any X-Men and read it, like for like Cap or like the events or Daredevil or anything like that. Like, it has to be like really, really good. For me to want to read it um and to actually go through and sit down and do it but like spider-man i could e- re- easily read and like x-men i could easily read and i think that's like that's interesting that that's both of those are the ones that like pull you in yeah and those ones kind of oscillate i think in popularity of like what is the most popular because sometimes it's spider-man sometimes it's wolverine yeah and which is cool i guess i see the logo yeah i remember that yeah which one like the Marvel Comics logo that you would see on like Generation Net or something like that was like the, the, was that the big M? That but then later on like they put like a little like 
cartoony looking Spider Man, like, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like, it crawl on yeah. top of it. Very so, cool. I remember that. Like, also in the early 90s, it seemed like you were a new character. You were going to have a Spider Man appearance with your first <laughs> Even freaking Super Pro, like, licensed stuff like NFL Super Pro. They were like, yeah, throw Spider Man in an issue. That'll get the kids coming. <laughs> I always had that kind of Marvel identity, like Seabury. I was kind of, I considered myself a Marvel zombie growing up, but when I got back into it in the early to mid two thousands, that's when I started getting into DC, going into the history of DC. Because, like I said, I had that original run in the eighties where I was like, oh yeah, Crisis and Superman and what's going on here, like the John Byrne Superman. Uh, man of steel reboot but after i got out of it and came back i was like oh let me read year one let me read um dark knight returns you know all these classic uh, long halloween all these classic dc books and then i fell in love with the dc universe as well as they were just putting out fantastic animation at that time the dc animated stuff was the justice league you know first of all batman the animated series superman the animated series Mm -hmm. justice league and then they started putting out those movies. So the DC universe also was grabbing me. So I was kind of being pulled from both ends. And then when we were doing Geekland, where we were doing the comic book podcast, I wanted to talk about everything. So I was reading Image. I was reading Dark Horse, you know, whatever I could that was people said was good. Hey, this is a, a good book. Read this. I was just reading it. So at that point, I was like, all right, I'm no longer a Marvel zombie. I love DC. I love image. I love anything. Just tell me a good story at that point. You know, I yes. think being Willie Gillis's friend mm-hmm. possible to like not deal with something indie or creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Here's even, Umbrella Academy. Yes. Yeah, even uh, Donnie Jungling, who's a longtime employee of Comics and Collectibles in Memphis, Tennessee, where we used to record Geekland, he was like, love you all. Willie has the best taste. <laughs> and he does have really good taste. Almost sent your watch to it. Like whoever Willie was championing, normally within like a year to a year and a half, Marvel or DC would be like, hey, yeah. hey, hey, here's loads of money. Come right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, Hunter, it's interesting when you were saying about getting into or D- DC being easier to get into than Marvel. I thought you would have said the opposite because of all the reboots where Marvel just, because they didn't really play too much in the multiverse as much as DC. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like one long yeah, timeline. But that long timeline makes it more complicated because like of all the things that happen and like the continuity behind it. It's like, because especially with X-Men, like that can get real intimidating because it's like, well, this person is this person and this person like married this person but had a child with this other person. And now that person has lived in the future and has come back into the past and has created a clone that also like has a bodyguard that has taken out the original person's dad, but that was in the past. And I don't even know how that happened because they would split the timeline. So yeah, that's like, that's X-Men? <laughs> like where? where well, I think where, you where could is- say that about DC too, because you could be like, oh, well, the Justice Society was the original Justice League, but now they rebooted yes. it. So now the Justice League yeah. was the original but that's the thing though it's like they when they when they do the reboots they like they they say okay well this is a starting point you know so like you could go to 
this era and then read around that and well, then the you're like is, okay then they and I didn't just... say it was good like mind you <laughs> well the problem is usually not then they would just retcon it and be like oh yeah remember that stuff we yeah. said didn't happen yeah it happened it did so... yeah but like no. by that time like if you're if you're doing that like if you're reading that those comics or whatever then in that type of situation it's a little bit easier to follow at that point because it's like oh okay like now this can start to make sense when they do a retcon but, i don't but like I... it i don't like it don't get me wrong like it's not good and again i'm not suggesting that it's good i'm saying that it's easier to start reading one of those things what i gotta say guys Shortly after, like, I guess around the time they did Rebirth, which is on the heels of New 52, and DC was like, you know what? Everything's canon, darn it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, at first it blew my mind, because, you know, I'm a old head. But then I think it helped me. Like, I think it kind of freed me. Like, it helped me take the steps and be like, okay, well, you know what? I can accept all these, because... Uh, Cause one of the first times I was on Geekland, Justin, I don't know if you remember this, but I was like talking about Marvel alternate realities. I was like, back then there was only one idea that was MC2. That's where you got Spider Girl and J2 and A Nix, because it diverged from a point in the 90s. You kind of gave me a greater appreciation for, you know, the ultimate universe. And I thank you. But like now though, to Today, it's just commonplace. Like, hey, all right, this story is in its own reality, own timeline. Like that Batman and Catwoman book that's black label. That's his own little alternate timeline. And, you know, Marvel has a gang of them. And, like, even though there was a time when they were making me cringe, I've just slowly become indoctrinated, man. I just come to accept it. Like, all right, you know, there are several alternate versions. You can, because, you know, I was so used to, you know, freaking asterisks and what are you talking about occurred in this issue of X-Men and, you know, on the letters page, you know, and connecting the dots and like, that's there, but there's also the freedom of, hey, here's a version that that's not all encumbered by continuity and weighed down by all that. Here's something a little easier to get into. You know, now there was a time, especially ooh, like around time I first met y'all, you know, as a as a grumpy old comics fan, I would have cried. <laughs> but like, it kind of helped me, man. It's like I... Now, I, now I'm not saying I rush out and buy every little alternate version or whatever every variant that's the that's the word the kids use very <laughs> they do yeah they do is that loki's fault is that loki's fault or is that somebody else's fault i think i think the loki series popularized using words yeah probably but i think like probably marvel has a book coming either out or coming out soon about alternate versions of jessica jones called the variant yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense but like so, but like one kind of just to be a little more open-minded about that is what i'm saying right and one of the things that like i i will i will again say that with dc like they did this they did multiversity you know and it was like here is a book by an insane person that ties all of these different universes together and it's like as far as i know there's not something that's like dedicated that 
or that kind of dedicated for something with Marvel. It's not like, here's a reference book that is actually comics that is like, hey, here's your here's your linchpin of everything. Here's where you can see like how the 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 different universes in that universe connect to each other. I think that that was really cool. Um, this is one of my favorite things, so it's very cool. I also have to say, and I'm sorry, just because I feel like we cut off your story. I apologize, but I'm gonna make this point, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> uh, I have an Emperor's New Clothes approach to whatever Grant Morrison does. If you remember the story of the Emperor's New Clothes, there was a point where he walked around buck booty naked. And people were like, I don't see his clothes. Well, I must be a fool. Then eventually, you know, some little girl like, no, nah, he just buck booty naked. I don't have the little girl when it comes to Grant Morrison. If there is a storyline that I do not get, I blame myself. <laughs> I said, oh, no. I'm just not smart enough. <laughs> and then I tell myself, you know, I needed this. I needed to see the limits of my intelligence. Dude, that's so Graham Morrison is Elden Ring. Or like <laughs> Elden Ring is Graham Morrison. It's like punishing. And it's like, if you don't like, but everybody can do it. You just have to like allow yourself to. I yeah. kind of get I'm not really a gamer, but I kind of get this. Yeah. But I just like, no, it ain't Graham Morrison. It's me, cause that guy's what we call smarty art. <laughs> he is he is smart art. I was like I was like maybe I need to get a degree in comparative literature in my spare time or something. <laughs> then I the, he ran up the steps of Kathmandu in one breath. <laughs> you know that's actually he saw yeah saw aliens. That is actually a good topic for a future episode. Mm-hmm. Creators that we loved and where are they now kind of thing. And we've talked about Brian Michael Bendis in this episode. And we talked about Graham Morrison. Those are two guys that, you know, in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, I was like, these guys are at the top of their game. And then if you cut to now in 2022, Graham Morrison was doing the green lantern book and Hunter and I started reading that, but did you ever get caught up on that Hunter? No, because like I couldn't find the like I couldn't find whatever the second volume was supposed to be, or like yeah. the third volume or whatever. Because they the they did that in seasons, but it was like season one, volume one, and I was like, I found that, but then season one, volume two, I couldn't find. You started on season two, yeah. so you didn't have any idea what was going on, right? Man, oh, the first few monthly issues, like when I first started, and I was like, you know, this is heavy. I like, I like it, but it. I. Of it. I'll get the trade someday. Yeah. Someday is <laughs> someday is yet to come. <laughs> yeah. I like it yeah. okay. But I think we should definitely change do a topic on that. Like creators that I wouldn't say fell off, but they're not at the same level that they were at. So we'll we'll put a pin in that and come back on a future episode. But what I wanted to say about uh the end of my journey up until now in 2022, when I came back from the snap. After I got uh, after Thanos took me out for five years, I have come back and ninety five percent of my books that I read are Marvel, and the reason why is because of Marvel Unlimited. That app has made it so easy to like today. I was reading King and Black, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! This King and Black ties in with Venom. Oh, I'm going to read these Venom issues. Oh, wait a minute! Now I want to read Miles Morales. Oh, now the Miles Morales." There's a tie-in to this book and I'm able to go and 
I don't pay any money. I'm not buying other issues. Just having that monthly subscription and having everything at my fingertips has been a game changer. And the DC app, the DC Infinite, has been such a mess. I subscribed to both of them, and I ended up letting my DC one uh, expire. And I've kept up with the Marvel one. And just having those a la, not a la carte, but having those subscription models versus a la carte has been a game changer for me. And I, I want to get back into DC, but it's been very tough for me to, to be pulled away from Marvel because there's so much stuff that I missed and so much stuff that I want to get caught up on. I just found it easier on Marvel Unlimited. So hopefully I can get back in into DC. And uh, D- DC okay. legit lost me. They did. Yeah, I don't I couldn't tell you besides actually, you know what? The only one I was keeping up with was the main Batman book. And then I was kind of reading some Batman ancillary stuff. And there's like 20 Batman books right now. Not even talking about Bat Family. I'm just talking about Batman. And it's like yeah. Batman the Reptile. Like, like there's like 90 different Batman books. Like, what is going on? It, because I don't like I'll say when they portray him in a manipulative manner. Is that is that fair? <laughs> Phrasings that don't bother you. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, I've at this point where like I'll read books set in Gotham. Like Gotham Academy was my jam. It was just mm. these kids that are at Gotham Academy getting into hijinks. Uh, we are Robin was my jam. Nice. And, uh, Duke Thomas came from it, and like now, I'm um, I'm like I like the whole Bat family, and I feel like Bat girls with the uh, Cassandra Kane and uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Brown. Brown. Yeah, I'm thinking that's gonna be the one I'm gonna probably get in get in trade because I'm like, okay, this is a Gotham book. I don't have to worry about the possibility of a mean manipulative Batman being in it. <laughs> Uh, at dc i've been following creators because like the tom taylor nightwing yeah i've heard fantastic stuff about but i haven't had a chance to catch up on and chip zadarsky is now jumping on batman so i definitely want to get caught up on that it's like if you see a dc book that you feel is going to get canceled or like has a really strong good like good possibility that it'll get canceled that's probably a book that you want to read because that's going to be the good one (laughs) yeah I don't know what's going on with Justice League, but um, maybe I'll get caught up someday. Okay. Okay. Hey, man, <laughs> number one was pretty good, right? Yeah. So that's where, get, I was going to say, that's where I'm at right now is, is I'm 95% Marvel at this point. I understand. <laughs> so I think that was a pretty good topic, Seabury. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I think it was a good one for bringing that to our attention and i always what they say about necessity being the mother invention because i was like just <laughs> not done yet i have something about sarah did sarah did was whining on and i was and and basically i i started doing a winter pool impersonation think 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 and i was like ah <laughs> that's a good one though yeah and I connected the dots, and uh, I made it happen, baby. Nice. You did good. Thanks, I want, thanks. 
I also want to thank everyone out there for listening to this episode of We Love Comics. Or if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Maybe you can leave us a comment down below and let us know which company were you more drawn to coming in, Marvel or DC? And did it change? That's a two-part question. Um, you can also, if you're so inclined, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Five stars or get out, right? Yeah, and remember, five stars is seven stars in Japan. Oh, dang. That is a Dragon Ball reference. It's not. I want it's a to Dave let Meltzer reference. Everyone know that they can check out Hunter Camp streaming on Twitch. Yes, we're getting back to it at twitch.tv forward slash I am Hunter Camp. Oh, yeah. And they can check out Seabury over at Cinesundry. He just reviewed that Nick Cage movie. Yeah. <laughs> I like both of them. The end was a little wonky for me, but uh, uh, yeah. So the unbearable weight of mass mortality is my latest review at Center Sundry. This how you can see that on the uh, basically typing in Center Sundry on YouTube. It's it's through the Unlocation Memphis YouTube channel. Um, also, just to let you know, literally yesterday. I recorded reviews of uh, The Bubble and Top Gun Maverick. Wee. So look for those. And, you know, also uh, I was a uh, podcast that I was involved with that's on a bit of a hiatus, Black Nerd Power. You can get all our past episodes on the Kudzukian app. That is K-U-D-Z-U-K-I-A-N. And, you know, your boys out here, man, you know, uh, be on the lookout for the animated project Orange Mound Bound. We are working on that. And, uh, like, I just got off of the, uh, a role as a funeral director in an indie film. I'll let y'all know if it That's what I'm talking about. actually shows up in places where people can watch it. Because, you know, sometimes... It Sometimes it's the festival circuit. Sometimes they like, oh no, we threw it on Amazon. <laughs> People can watch it, you know. Yeah. Uh, did you have something to add, Hunter? Campbell? I saw a movie, and I saw it in 4D, what? and it was uh, what? What movie? Jurassic World. Oh dang! It was so bad. Wow. Oh man. I want to talk to you about that. I forgot that I that I forgot that I saw the movie because yeah. it was so stupid. Man, yeah, we need we need to have that discussion, Hunter Camp. But this is a comic book podcast. It is called We Love Comics because we love comics, and so should you.